0: This is Founders Radio, episode number five, and today as a guest speaker, we have Vlad, the co-founder of One Dollar Capital, and today he will share with us how VCs think, how how they choose the entrepreneurs to invest in, what's the most important part, what's the least important part, what are the red flags for the investors, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So uh, let's get started by having some background on you and move on to the topic.
1: All right. Um... So I was a startup guy for the last uh, five or so years. Uh, I've founded a startup called Rent Mania. Rent Mania is a sharing marketplace, and we've worked in Moscow and St. Petersburg and uh, Los Angeles and Helsinki. Um, so a year ago and a half, maybe I also started a startup studio other side business with my partner. Um, was also a CTO at Rentmania and um, it worked out quite well. Uh, we've went through dozens of uh, cases with startups and when we helped them uh, build a product, uh, get first sales and attract some uh, funds to their companies. Uh, and uh, this summer we've decided to turn that into a somewhat more sophisticated concept and to automate a bit the business and we've came up with $1. Um, $1 um, is uh, like like we enjoy calling it in our team is a self accelerator for founders. Um, it's a startup uh, builder program for six months. When um, a founder comes to us with just an idea and we start uh, Working with them step by step to uh, first get MVP done. And um, all right, so people said they have some problems with the. Can anybody hear me? Okay, okay. All right, so yeah. And uh, it's essentially a six month long uh, startup builder program when we work with the founder on first sales and MVP on uh, attracting funds into the company. Um, and Some founders also get stipend. So we're not like a classy venture fund uh, because we don't invest a lot of like a lot of money. Uh, but uh, we do work on a venture models. essentially, founders um, get stipends, and if it goes well, then on the sixth month of the program, we um, invest a small check, usually around fifty to hundred thousand um, dollars. And then, essentially, we try to exit as soon as possible uh, and sell our share to a bigger fund. So that's our model. Um, right now, we are doing piloting in Moscow and Helsinki. So if you guys uh, from any of those cities, ping me, and I'll be happy to talk to you. So that's hopefully a short intro. Um, I'm also a computer scientist by education. I studied in the States at the University of Minnesota, and then I worked there uh, as a researcher. Um, so yes, beyond, beyond that, I also play squash. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in our our vision is that we want to be um, before the accelerator. So um, there are a bunch of accelerators, and I also went through a couple programs. I was at the uh, Russian uh, Internet Initiative Development Fund, uh, which is the biggest uh, early-stage accelerator uh, in uh, Russia, and I think also in Eastern Europe. And then my team also went through Startup Sauna, which is a no-equity accelerator in Finland, and then through 500 star, five, five startups program uh, in Moscow. <laughs> and, uh, from my perspective, accelerators work when you have a scalable module already uh, or at least you have some traction and you have a team but if you don't then at least from my experience accelerators don't work so and here with one dollar we want to um, cover whatever happened for the accelerator so this so now answering your question how different we are we're different in the sense that we are ready to work with the founders from day one when they just have an idea and they don't know where to go, so we are ready to put our time, educate them, and help them. Uh, but if you already have a working model, you ha- do have some sales, uh, MVP, and so then uh, you are probably out of our scope. Um, mm-hmm, yeah,
0: and 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 you know,
1: uh, I I can also ask for maybe the question that a lot of you guys might have in mind right now so why why is it needed and the answer is because this day accelerators are becoming very institutional so it's it's becoming very hard to get in a top accelerator because the line is huge so uh, as this competition increases uh vc will start looking what happens before the accelerator before because when the accelerator just started it was um it was like yc was a small program to help uh people get their first money in the wally right so now it's a huge accelerator and uh, like thousands of people are trying to get in and obviously there should be something before yc so everyone could get into yc so uh, that's that's why uh things like one dollar and we're not first in this model there are already couple. Um, a couple of uh, quite successful uh, teams that are getting in this. Um, so we're not the first ones, but we're trying to do that in our domain in our geography. Uh, so yeah, that's why we're here. Um, I think there are three major points that VCs are looking. First is strong team. Um, a strong team. So essentially, when we see things of a startup, it, it tries to find um, things that he wants to pay for, right. So we see, I don't want to pay for a team, that's the first, or they want to pay for some sort of intellectual property, uh, or at least uh, a huge track record. So the first one, strong team, I think on, on the early stage is the most important one. And uh, when I'm saying strong team, I mean previous startup experience or any sort of entrepreneurial experience or a huge network of possible clients uh, or maybe even prospective employees. And domain expertise. The uh, main expertise is the most tricky one. So a lot of people say the main expertise is not that important. But uh, I have a strong sense that in some fields, it is really important because, um, well, if you're talking about like, um, biote- biotech, right? Or medicine or any, this, this field that is really knowledge demanding, then uh, you must have some domain expertise to run the startup. Um, so then, uh, if you don't have a strong team, you should have some sort of IP. So it's okay if you're just like a solo founder, but then, um, you should, you should prove to, Venture capitals that you've been working a lot on this problem and you know what to do, and here is uh, you have some sort of a technology that you already developed and or a patentless something, so uh, that that shows to the uh, venture capitals that even though you don't have a strong team or some some very cool experience, you did a lot of stuff, you did a lot of research on this problem and you know what to do. So the third one is track record. Early days, usually, like early day startups don't have a lot of track record, right? Everyone wants to see revenue, but sometimes it's just, you know, um, if you, again, if you, for example, in med tech or biotech, it's quite hard to score um, sales without really putting some money into R&D, right? Uh, but you should, you should have some track record, maybe prospective clients, maybe you talk to, like, 100 or 200 customers, or um, you mocked up some of your products, right? So if if we look really uh, generalistically on what VC business is, then I would say it's like getting into top college. So VCs try to find the find the reason to say no to you, right? Uh, and uh, in early days, they try to find a reason to say that you're stupid and you don't know what to do. So, and then anything uh, that can disprove that uh, is what we see. They're looking for. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, uh, in terms of education, since we were already talking about that, I don't think that really matters because uh, I saw both cases. I saw really fancy people, like from big name schools. Uh, that never got money and, uh, were not able to, uh, go with their idea, uh, for much long. So I also saw, um, people who are extremely successful in their field, uh, with kind of, I mean, that what would be considered a CV education elsewhere. So unfortunately, education or, um, corporate experience has little to do with your success as a founder. Uh, if you're like an employee in a startup, then your education and your previous corporate experience might have a lot to do. But as a founder, as the one who runs the company, um, it's I think it's overpriced, so it's not that important. Um, but one thing that is really important, and that's what we usually talk, Talk to our founders on like first week of getting into the program and start working with us is that uh, you should be ready to change a lot. So uh, a lot of founders when they start their company and they invest a lot of their emotions into ideas because, you know, it takes a lot of courage and a lot of um, mental capacity to go from one possible customer or employee or co-founder to another, and then um, kind of listen, but they say, whatever you do is bad is wrong. So founders are getting really attached to their ideas because they fight for their ideas. They go through uh, a lot of uh, negative experience. And at some point they see that they're not ready to, um, abandon their idea and change, you know, like sometimes you need to, Pivotal change. You have to change your business model. You have to change your the way you um, uh, sell to your customers or um, the way some mechanics work in your company, right? In your service. And a lot of founders, and I was reminded of that experience too. Are not ready to do that. They keep on saying, "No, we didn't do this as we started, and that was right. I made it that far, so I cannot be wrong. Let's let's keep going in this direction, guys." resistance is everything and I don't think that's right investors want to see a founder being really 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 flexible and have a lot of uh, mental capacity to change um, and be open to new things actually yeah and um, I can um, I don't know maybe it's a secret but I want so um, uh, one of the investors trying to uh, say that OpenLand uh, was not successful because uh, they went to Y Combinator with one idea and then they uh, graduated and completely changed their idea. So that's not the same OpenLand now. Uh, and I saw a comment by one of the OpenLand founders that he thinks that this team is really awesome because um, they understood that there is not that much in the market that they in the real estate market, so they decided to change, and that's why he essentially invested, and that's why he thinks that they're on the way to success. So, and I completely agree with that, a hundred percent. If I see a founder who is uh, who is ready to listen arguments and they um, change, uh, I think I'll be up for getting him in the program. Yeah. So, so everyone can understand to make our understand the context uh so during the uh, in may and june and july we've been working on our concept on opening it up to a wider range of founders and uh i i got on a small tour uh throughout uh, europe and uh, the states to talk with the uh leading vcs and uh smaller angels about $1 so how can we make this program happen um And we also started from, we started with a completely different concept. So when we just, uh, started the one dollar, we were thinking that it's going to be a classy VC fund for like 15 to 20 million dollars. And, uh, that's what we aimed for. But then we came to this, uh, founders acceleration program concept. And what I learned, um, is that these days, everyone is looking into early stage. Super early stage, uh, because um, I think there is an institutional agreement um, between different VC companies that if you get a 50 or 100 percent, uh, 100 MRR uh, per month, then everyone knows what to do. So there's no that there's no that much uh, place for improvement left in uh, later stages at this point. So everyone, every VC company knows how to uh, invest in like pre-A and and so on. Everyone knows how to make money out of the startups. So one thing I learned is that VC is very excited about super early stage and the industry is waiting for uh, a hack, some sort of a improvement in uh, working with uh, startup teams from day zero now answering a question about uh different mentalities that uh startup that vcs might have in europe or russia or states i think um their mental model uh is mostly the same um that is they're making money uh with the same mechanics So VCs in Russia or VCs in like Finland or in the States, they are all doing the same thing. They're giving money for people who they think are gonna do something better than them. And they're waiting for returns in 10 years. They wanna make a huge uh, return out of that because the VC VC world works with the uh, power law distribution. So, VCs usually make money out of very, very, very few companies in their portfolio. And then the rest, uh, 60, 70, or 80%, are just lost and they forget about them. So, and no matter where a venture capital sits in New York or Moscow or Berlin, he still thinks that uh, he's just looking for this one company that he's going to make a huge uh, dollar out of. So. Uh, There's not that much difference in this sense. But then there's a huge difference on how they uh, view different markets and how they approach founders uh, with different experience. Um, I think Americans are more risky because they have uh, this statistics that risk pays a lot. So they're ready to risk more than European or Russian uh, venture capitalists. So in um, Russia and Europe, VC's are reserved because there is not that much track record of a huge, um, uh, huge unicorns. And uh, there are a few success stories where VCs make uh, very, very big money. So that's why they're looking more into, you know, real business cases when uh, founders, uh, generate money from super early stage and then they just kind of grow business together with the VCs. So in this sense, yeah, there are a lot of different things and you have to account for them. So whenever you, you should, you should know who you're talking to. If you're talking to a VC who has a very diverse portfolio with a lot of uh, risk investments, then you can talk about this huge idea that you've been making. If you're talking to a VC who is their reserves about super fast grow and he wants to see small success stories then you should be approaching him with this um business that already generates cash and um so yeah uh all right uh surprisingly uh at least in, in my case uh cold emails worked so uh when you want the, the even though mechanics of raising money in a fund and raising money in startup uh, are the same, so essentially you just talk to um, a lot of let's say wealthy entities, right? In a startup case, those are angels or VC funds. In a fund case, those are PE money or some very very um, high net worth individuals, very rich people. But uh, mechanics is the same. But I think um the psychology is very different so when i was uh when we were fundraising in rent it was quite hard to approach um venture capitals and land deals because uh you know they open up the presentation they see oh it's a marketplace and then they have the entire um model in their head and if you don't match with the model uh, VCs might be their reserve of talking with you and like lending a meeting. Um, when you raise money in the fund, uh, surprisingly for me, it was, they were very open to, to start talking because, um, people see that there is a, some sort of a opportunity to uh, work with a lot of prospective founders. So, and even, uh, really, really high net worth individuals and, uh, people from fancy funds, like, uh, like we talked to ball Capital and uh, Sequoia, they were, they were uh, quite open about discussing our concept and helping to uh, you know get right intros, uh, helping us to connect with people who might be interested in funding us. Uh, because I, I believe the only difference is that once they see there is a new fund manager who is trying to build uh, a new fund or uh, some sort of accelerator, they're excited to see what's going on. When they see another startup, they might not be that excited. So you have to uh, win their attention first. Uh, well, uh, you have to be very good in writing emails. <laughs> I think that's that's a very important uh, skill for any founder. Your, you should be very precise about what you do. And you should research um, the venture capitals before approaching him. So you should know what he likes, what type of um, companies he invests. And if you if you can win him attention by knowing his background somehow, do it. So um, an example would be Let's say we're talking about a VC firm that invests in marketplaces, then uh, you can write a title something like uh uh, I'm building a marketplace in Berlin uh in this domain with uh uh twenty thousand dollars uh GMV already. So and that would for sure win his will win his attention. So the VC will open your email and then he might see your deck. Um if you have a warm intro that that also works, uh, even better. Um, what else? Um, being really precise about how a VC can help you. So, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, well, only only a couple percent of VCs who you're sending a deck to uh, are potentially interesting in investing you, right? But um, they might be able to help you some other stuff. So it's always good to write how this particular person can help you. Let's say, um, hey, we're looking to raise this this much money from the fund, but also we're looking for intros to that person or that person, or please write as a review review our deck, say what's wrong at least. And uh, if you do that very precisely upfront, then you will surely get uh, a reply. Did uh, I answer your question? Well, when I say cold, cold emails, I guess I mean uh, when I don't have uh, an intro. So it's not called, it's not marketing cold email when you just send out on a bunch of emails. No, no, no. I, cold email here is that I don't have a warm intro to the person. So, uh, but I I obviously never send out uh, spam emails or... um, uh, it's. We do research before approaching a fund. We do research a lot. Uh, If I don't have any, I still write. And surprisingly, that works. But you have to be very precise and you should know who you're talking to. Yes. Well, that initially happened when we uh we decided to pilot in the states um so we we choose one vertical um it was uh motorhomes or recreational vehicles and we decided to uh pilot that vertical in uh, the states and we started uh, going you know from invest from one investor to another trying to raise money for this experience uh, and then we realized that, uh, Russia became toxic at some point. So, and, uh, we were raising in the States and, uh, a lot of, a lot of, uh, VCs were a bit concerned. So, and then we start talking how we can get away of this. And, uh, Finland appeared to be a very interesting, uh, place to build your startup. So it's, it's, it's a very small market a lot of people a lot of Finnish entrepreneurs uh, are building companies that sell abroad so the entire Finnish entire ecosystem in Finland is built for um, startups that want to go global and sell somewhere else so and it also quite close to Russia so we didn't have any problem with traveling back and forth and keeping close to our team Uh, so that's why and it went quite successful. Um, once we uh, rebranded uh, ourselves as a Finnish company, uh, we, we did get way more uh, uh, traction with the fundraising. So I think it, it was a right move. And uh, we also changed our mindset. So we start thinking of ourselves as a global company, as a company that uh is uh, working uh in europe and uh trying to ship you know a good product uh, somewhere overseas so yes yeah that's very popular and it's i, I saw a lot of those uh cases with uh, finnish founders too um you know in uh, mm, first the states are very expensive uh in terms of uh, sales in terms of uh, hiring people uh, and keeping a team there. Um, But it's also true that it's hard to sell your product uh, in the States if you're not there, if you're not present there. So um, I think it really depends from one case to another. My answer, my first answer would be no. Uh, You should try selling uh, for digital channels, and you should try building a team uh, where you know how to hire best people and where you know how to, uh, you know, build a company and um, approach uh, investors. If you can, uh, if you cannot for some reason uh, do that, then uh, you should try going maybe to the States and trying to build some sort of a presence there, but unfortunately, in my experience, I did not see that being very, very, very successful. So only a few companies um, were able to do it, from my experience, and um, more than way more than half fail. So I have some reservations because you have to understand how uh, the foreign market works. Before getting there, so usually most of the founders won't have any experience with the states when they decide to start, you know, doing something there. So they will spend first year or so trying to find their a way there, trying to understand what's going on, how to sell, how to fit into the local ecosystem. And uh, if you don't have the right investor or if you don't have much revenue at this point, you're gonna fail because uh, you just uh, make your uh you spend a lot of money you spend a lot of time right so you make your logistics too complicated and it does not help you at all so uh yeah well if 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 anyone uh if anyone has uh, comments on this, I'll be happy to hear because it's really this this one of those topics when you can argue forever. Sure. But that works in a fundraising uh, in fundraising model. So when you when you approach investors, you shouldn't be in San Francisco if you approach American investors. Okay. Let let let's put it clear. If you want to raise capital from uh, someone in San Francisco, then you should know someone in San Francisco and someone should give you a good intro to someone else in San Francisco. Yes, but um, a San Francisco investor will not invest in you just because you are in San Francisco. Uh, The investor will invest in your company either because you have something really cool or great technology, I don't know, awesome track record, or you generate all of money somewhere else um so yeah and that can be achieved uh from virtually anywhere so uh if you do sell uh already in san francisco then the chances that you know people there are high and if you don't and if you don't sell then coming just uh, you know to san francisco and trying to fundraise will not help you so
0: um I did have a couple of questions. Um, one thing that I had a question about regarding San Francisco, which kind of came up, is for whatever reason, it seems like an extremely large amount of the world's venture capital money is in San Francisco. Um, a few years ago, when I kind of tallied up how large um, various VC funds were and the amount of investment capital they had, it came out to the fact that like 60 plus percent of the world's VC funding. We're located in San Francisco. So do you feel That's like true. there's a reason that it's all kind of there? Because um, I mean clearly 60% of the world's talent is not in San Francisco. I mean there's tremendous amounts of talent everywhere. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious how you think about that as well. well.
1: I, I, I I'll, Okay so to this question it's actually one of my favorite topics uh, why uh, it happened that way and um, I like the history approach. And um, the history approach is that, um, well, San Francisco is the world leading center for innovation because the semi- semiconductors industry started there. So, and then there were a couple of uh, very successful um, VCs, let me say that way, uh, in 60s and 70s, who invested money into personal computers, and then what became internet, and their investments were extremely successful. And then even more people came with the money and they said, all right, we also wanna do that. And they've invested in 80s and 90s um, and early 2000, and that was also successful. So, and after 2000, everyone decided to uh, come to San Francisco and start doing venture capital. So that's how the entire venture capital industry kind of uh, formed there. And uh, successful entrepreneurs are obviously going there because of this ecosystem. And uh, I guess from like 70s and 80s, uh, a lot of very, very talented computer scientists came out of Stanford and then some uh, moved from the East Coast to the West Coast and they created this. Melting pot that we know today. So, from the historical point of view, I think it's quite clear how we got there. Um, now, why, like people from all over the world, like keep on coming these days, uh, and whether there is any logic in that, I think it's fear of missing out, to my personal belief. So. I think you can build a very successful company outside of outside of the san francisco ecosystem Um, but a lot of entrepreneurs just fear that they cannot and they have to be there because everyone else is there so i think this logic kind of drives uh right now uh, the vc scene because uh historically again there were very clear reasons why that happened um right now I don't see any clear reasons why it should keep growing at the pace. So, yeah.
0: Makes sense. Um, I wanted to also ask a question regarding Mm -hmm. $1 capital. Um, I Mm -hmm. guess different VCs and investment firms have like different kind of investment theses, Um, for instance, Mm -hmm. some of them value immediate revenue a lot more. Some of them value product virality. Some of them value like keeping burn rate low. Another one might be patents and other forms of intellectual property and then the size of the addressable market. Um, So as far as like one dollar capital is concerned, which of these would you be willing to like kind of give up for more of the other? And Mm -hmm. I'm interested in kind of the trade offs. So I guess um, this was the question that I was kind of trying to. Well,
1: let let me explain the model. Let me explain you the model, uh, how we work, and then it will be clear, uh, I guess, what we're ready to give up and what we're not ready to give up. So how the program works right now, and again, I want to make a disclaimer for everyone that we are just piloting the program. So essentially, the founder uh, applies to us with just an idea, like very simple black and white deck where he explains what he, what he wants to build. Um, then during the six-month program, we assign the founder very uh, basic tasks like check this hypothesis or uh, build an MVP or find a co-founder. So something that every founder does on his way to, uh, you know, attracting investors and uh, building a company during the early days. So and we see how founders approaches those tasks. We see whether he's successful in doing that. And if he is not, we kind of disqualify him. If he is successful, we keep on paying him a stipend. And uh, at the sixth month of the program, we are able to see that hey, look, there's this awesome dude. He was able, he came to us with just an idea, but he was able to uh, build his MVP, like a small landing page or a small app. And then he got his 100 sales. Uh, he made first customers. He interviewed a lot of customers. Um, he also made this awesome pitch deck. He was able to connect with uh, 25 angels in his uh, domain in the city. So, uh, he also made this, uh, 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 he also made this very awesome prototype with the features that he wants to do next. So, uh, we think that he is, he, what he needs, he just needs maybe some little cash from us to, uh, you know, start really rolling and we, we did that check. Um, so now what we're ready to give up, we obviously are obviously not looking, uh, into founders who have some serious check record or revenue because they don't need us, they can go somewhere else. We just, what we offer, we offer to founders an opportunity to work on what they want with a small stipend, so they can, you know, afford uh working on the idea they like, and then if they're really good, we offer them a small check so and uh, I think our model defines quite well who we're looking uh at we are looking at the founders who uh, have idea that might become uh, a working business uh I don't think we are looking into really unicorns because everyone is looking into unicorns and unique ones that were hyped. So we're looking at something that can be scalable, that can work in, you know, maybe multiple geographies um some decent traction. Um, we're looking to founders who are ready to change because uh, at that early stage, you cannot guarantee that your idea is uh, is going to be successful. So again, you should have a mental capacity to abandon your idea or do some very drastic changes to it um we also we're also looking for founders uh who are good with networking because you will have to hire team you will have to find a co-founder so um yeah yeah. and if you flexible uh uh, if you uh, know how to win people hearts and if you have an idea that sounds promising i think that's what we're looking for
0: Thanks. I think that was a good Uh answer to the different types of things that you're looking for.
1: Mm